0: If his people people prayed! prayed. Welcome back to Extreme Makeover Prayer Edition right now in the home office. And Margie, come on down. We want to show you all the cool things we've done. All right, I'm ready to see it. You ready to see it? Well, first, let me start off with a question. All right. Do you often feel distracted in life? Actually, yeah, I do. (laughs) Well, that's perfect because you know what we did? What? We made this room more soundproof. You did? How? We have the option to shut the door. Um, okay. Is the door different? No, the door is exactly the same, and you had that option before as you do now, but I think that you're gonna make better decisions. Okay, um. Hey, then it's not different. Well, oh, have a seat! Notice something different about that chair? I don't. Hey, we elevated a little bit. Okay. Does it still make that screechy noise? Oh, yeah. Alright. That was just luck. Um, got you a stapler. It's a little distracting, actually. Well, that's the whole point. That it's distracting? Yes. You have to be able to come here, block out all the distractions, and really focus. This is just a simple trial that you can push farther and farther and farther away until this little red stapler falls over the edge of the desk, and you don't see it anymore. So it's symbolic. It's a little symbolic. Mm -hmm. I think she loves it. On to the next room.
1: No? 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 No. okay. i give that you. We'll go with this one. Can you hear me now? Yeah. All right. Well, welcome to part five in our Extreme Makeover series. Here we are doing an Extreme Makeover Prayer Edition as we are trying to build for ourselves a house of prayer, a place where we could have a communion with God. And what we agreed from the very start of this series is prayer is not something that we do, it's not an event, as much as it is, it's a communion with God. And in the house of prayer, there are many, many rooms, and each room has kind of a different purpose. And just like in a regular house, you have different rooms for different purposes, and they're built differently based on the purpose. A room for eating will have certain criteria. A room for sleeping has different criteria. Same thing in our house of prayer. And what we're doing is we're looking at seven different rooms in this house of prayer, And so far, we have gone through the family room of prayer, which is simple prayer. We've gone through the kitchen of prayer, which is a structured prayer. Last week, we talked about the washroom or the bathroom of prayer, which is the repentance prayer. And today, as you see in part five, we're talking about praying through scripture. Before I jump in, let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was a preacher man who lived down in the south. And this preacher man who lived down in the south had been working a lot of hours and then putting in a lot of time, and finally he decided this one Sunday, I'm skipping church. And he decided he do not want to go to church this Sunday. He's going to call in someone else to cover for him or whatever it is. He made arrangements. He's skipping church this Sunday. Down the south, he wanted to relax, so this is what he does is he goes hunting. So he decided he's going to go out bear hunting on a Sunday morning while he's skipping church. He gets out there, and he's hunting for bears. He sees a bear all the way back there. And you know when you see a bear, you gotta be all real quiet. So he sees the bear, and he's got his gun, and he's inching closer, and he's getting ready to fire. Just before he's about to fire, he steps into a ditch and trips, and he falls and breaks his leg, breaks both his legs, and not just that, that he's lying there with his legs broken on the ground, but the gun flew out of his hand all the way over there, and he can't get it, and when it landed, it fired a shot, and then the bear heard him, and saw him, and now he's there lying defenseless, no gun, broken legs on both sides. Bear is charging at him. He's a preacher man, man of God. So what does he do? He lifts his eyes up towards heaven, and he says, God, forgive me. Forgive me for skipping church today. I'm so sorry, God. I'll never, ever do it again. Just grant me this one request, Lord. Let that bear be a Christian bear. And he begged God and said, if you do this for me, God, I'll do anything that you need me to do. And the second he finished that prayer, to show you the power of prayer the second he finished that prayer that bear as if struck by light came to a dead halt fell to his knees lifted up his hands and prayed say dear lord we thank you for the food which we are about to receive from your hands amen We're talking today about praying through scripture and you cannot get very far in a series about prayer without talking about the relationship between prayer and scripture or the Word of God. There's a verse in Numbers chapter 7 verse 89 which shows you that prayer and scripture or prayer and the Word of God are two sides to the same coin. And if you're doing one of them right, you have to be doing the other one as well. You cannot be doing one without the other when you're doing them properly. This is a time in Numbers chapter 7 where Moses was going in to pray. We don't know what he was praying about, praying for himself, praying for his people. He was coming to bring his request to God, coming to speak to God. And the Bible says, now when Moses went into the tabernacle meeting to speak with him, he heard the voice of one speaking to him from above the mercy seat. Thus he spoke to him. See how that works? He came in to speak to him. And then once he got in there, he heard the voice of one speaking to him. You can't separate prayer, speaking to God, from Bible, God speaking to me, when they're done in the proper way. Last week, if you remember, when we talked about praying, so with every kind of prayer, like I said, it's like a room in the house. And last week, remember, was the bathroom, the washroom. Because we said that when we come into the house of prayer, or we come into our house, you're outside. The other day I was out there and I was raking the leaves all right and i'm out there and i got leaves in my my hair and leaves in my nose and leaves in my ear and leaves all over the place and i'm covered with leaves first thing i do when i come inside i don't go give my wife a hug i don't go and hang out with the kids on the couch What first thing i do is i wash up got gotcha, or else i get leaves all over the stuff first thing we do when we enter we talked about last week when we enter prayer we enter with a repentant spirit we said we talked about like doing a minute of silence And we understanding that repentance is not about an act. Repentance is about a state. We come in, we wash up. But now that we've washed up, now we're free to start enjoying these different rooms in the house. And the room that we're talking about today is the office or the study of the house. Why? What's praying through scripture and what's the relationship with the office or the study of the house? In My house, I don't know how it is in your house. I do a lot of work from home, obviously. I don't have an office. All right, we don't even have a church. We just have a place that we rent. So I have an office in my house. And my kids know, okay, my office, you see bookshelves, you see a desk, you see daddy sitting at the computer and daddy working, that's where daddy always is. But my kids know that any time of day that they need daddy, they can just walk in that office. And most of the time, nine out of 10 times, I'll put down whatever it is that I'm doing and I'll talk with my kids. And there's never a time of day where they say, you know what, I need advice on something. They know they can just walk in the office, have a seat, and we'll stop what we're doing and we'll talk or they needed just to, just to see daddy for a little bit they know they can always come that's where we have our meetings together the same is true when it comes to praying through scripture that's why it's the office of the house that's where we go to have a meeting with our father and that's where sometimes we're like i don't know, i just don't know what to do let me go talk to daddy let me go sit with daddy in the office let me have a meeting with daddy and let me hear what daddy has to say If you remember last week, we talked about repentance prayer as the washing, and we talked about the picture of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And we said that's repentant prayer, is that we go into prayer, Jesus washes us, and then we participate in the meal together. That was the picture from John 13. The picture of praying through scripture is going to be a story from Luke chapter 10. And it's a story which I'm sure many of you have heard before. It's a story about two sisters named Mary and Martha. Jesus goes to the house of Mary and Martha, and Martha is all over the place preparing, serving, setting the table, cooking the food, doing the dishes, all kinds of stuff. Mary did what? Mary in Luke 10, 39. Mary, and she being Martha, Martha had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Martha all over the place, running around, doing all kinds of stuff. What did Mary do? Mary just sat down. And Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, and she heard his word. This is the office force. Let's use our imaginations a little bit. Picture the scene. Go back and be a fly on the wall as Jesus is sitting there and and Mary's at his feet. What would it look like? What would it sound like? Do you think it was a lecture? Was it like this? Sit in chairs, sit at my feet, and I will tell you seventeen points on what it means to be a Christian. Do you think that's what it was? Do you think Jesus was had a PowerPoint prepared and a cute little handout with fill in the blanks? How do you think the how do you think it went? Do you think it was a one way? Do you think it was a one way? I don't think it was a one way because that's very awkward. And there's nothing in the Bible to 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 imply that Jesus was ever awkward, the way we are awkward sometimes. I think it was a conversation. I think Jesus sat there. She sat at his feet, and just like this, I love this picture. and she said, Tell me more, Jesus. She said, okay, let me tell you about uh, heaven. And did you know the heaven's like this? And Did you know this is what needs to be in heaven? And I don't think that Mary just said, okay, and just took notes. I bet you Mary said, hey, really? I don't understand it. Can you explain that? And, well, what about this? Like, in order to have a conversation, at some point in time, the other person has to respond. And it couldn't be just Jesus speaking just in one direction. And this is to show us the relationship again between prayer and scripture is that we sit at his feet and he tells us, and then we say, tell me more. what does that mean? Or I don't understand that. Or how does that apply to this? That's why, just to show you, okay, dads. Dads can attest to this, or anyone who has a dad can attest to this. What is the one thing that every dad loves to hear from his children? And there's one thing, you tell this to your dad, your dad will never say no. Three words. Tell me more. Tell me more. Any dad would love a kid come and say, hey dad, tell me a story. Tell me about this, teach me this. Oh, have a seat. And there's no dad who ever gets sick of talking and telling stories to his kids, right? Never a time where a dad will shut himself up when his kid is sitting there listening and say, tell me another story about this, tell me another story. That's what we do as dads, we love to tell stories. All right, even if they don't make sense, we just like someone. Captive audience. That's when Michael and Lizzie come in and they say, tell me, that's a captive audience. No one can refute the facts. Okay. And they just sit there and listen to it. That's what we dads love. And Jesus loves it too. That's why when Martha said, hey, she's lazy. Tell her to get up and serve. Jesus said, hey, 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 leave her alone, man. She wants to hear another story from when I was a kid, my glory days. She wants to hear a story from daddy. Let her sit. This is what a relationship is all about. Genesis chapter 18, verse 17, 18. God shows us this in the Old Testament. When God, Bible says that God and Abraham had a very intimate relationship with one another. And one time when God was deciding what to do with Sodom and Gomorrah, and God was saying, these people of Sodom and Gomorrah, man, they're a headache for me. And then, look what it says. And the Lord said, he starts speaking, speaking, and he's talking about what he wants to share with Abraham. It says, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. God says, look, I got a plan and all I, and I want to share it with, like, I don't want to hide it from my kids. I want Abraham to know, I want Abraham to know that this is what's going to happen to Sodom. And this is the reason why. And then Abraham can come back and say, well, God, why don't you just spare it? If you can find this, like God wants that dialogue. God is not a dictator who sits in his room and sends off decrees and say, send this to the people. That's not God. God is a father. And God is saying, Hey, what I want to do in my house, say, Hey guys, things are a little tight around here. We're going to make some cuts around some of the spending. I want everyone to come together and say, I'm sharing what I'm doing. I'm not keeping it from you. I'm not making a decree. Like we're going to share it together. And God is the same way. Say, hey, I got a plan for your life. I want to do something in your relationships. I want to do something in your marriage. I want to do something like in the world around you. I don't want to hide it from you. But who's the one who's going to come into the office, sit on daddy's lap and say, daddy, tell me more. When was the last time you told God, tell me more? Today, we're talking about praying through Scripture. And the reason why we're talking about praying through Scripture is because God has a great plan. God has a lot of stuff He wants to give to us. Only way we're going to find it is we learn not just to read Scripture, but pray through Scripture. And we're talking about what that means right now. Before I get into that question anybody here raised on a farm? Nobody raised on a farm. Anybody ever been to Cox Farm? Oh, actually, someone actually raised on a farm. Okay. Did you have cows on your farm, sir? You had cows, all right, so very good. So you're going to validate what I'm saying right now. For those who haven't been raised on a farm, been to Cox Farm, close enough, okay, that's close enough. All right, all right. or if, if you've ever seen Chick-fil-A, like whatever, like any, anything relating with cows, close enough right here. The expression that we're going to talk about when it comes to praying through Scripture is something that cows do called chewing the cud. Do you all know what chewing the cud means? And cud, if you want to take notes, is C-U-D, cud. Chewing the cud is how cows, and a lot of other animals, but specifically cows, is how they eat. It means a process, do you guys know what this means? Of eating and then re-eating. Because what they do is they eat, they swallow, and then they bring it back up, chew it some more, and re-eat it. Y'all ever seen this? Good news is... We have a video right here that you can watch right here together. Plug that bad boy in so they get the um, the, the volume here. Right here. Okay, so you see how break down the action right here. It's chewing what's in its mouth. It's pretty much the whole video, but it continues much longer. I don't know who took this video, but someone's brave soul got right up to the nose of that pitman. Here comes the exciting part. Right? Oh, right. About thirty seconds at seven yeah. Okay, here. It's done. It's swallowed. There we go. <laughs> what is it chewing again? It didn't add anything new in its mouth. It's just I'd say we're done with this, right? We're about done with this okay. Let's move on, okay. Chewing, chewing the, the cud is the same thing as meditating on the word of God. Chewing the cud as disgusting as that was, why why the cow does that? It puts something in its mouth and then it chews chews and chews and chews and gets the nutrients out. And then it wants to put it in its stomach, but then it realizes there's actually more nutrients in there that I didn't get, so what do I do? I bring it back up. I chew, chew, chew some more and get the nutrients. And then you know what? There's some more, so it brings it back up and it's this process. The the, the normal word for that is regurgitation. All right, regurgitate. You know when it comes back and then you chew, okay, and you go back. What in the world does this have to do with prayer in the Bible? Praying through scripture is, write this down in your notes, meditating on God's word and responding through prayer. Meditating on God's word And responding in prayer meditating on God's Word meaning taking the Word of God putting it in my mouth chew 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 swallow but then say hey wait a minute let's bring that guy back up and let's discuss that one again and then chew on it some more chew 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 and swallow and then let's bring it back up and chew some more believe it or not the Greek word for meditate actually has the same root word that we get regurgitate from. Same root at the bottom of it. Because meditate literally means to regurgitate something and to ponder it and think deeply on it and think more and think more and think more. Now, I say meditating on scripture and little bells and whistles go off in your head. I'm not good at that. I don't know how to do that. I ain't no monk. I ain't no nun. I ain't no weirdo. I don't sit there and meditate. I don't take yoga. Like, I don't know how to meditate. I never, like, uh, I I never been to a monastery. and I don't know how to meditate. It's not a skill that I'm good at. Don't over-spiritualize meditation. Don't over-spiritualize. And don't let anyone else over-spiritualize it for you. Don't let anyone use big words to tell you that it's something exotic and something very, very um, weird, or something like that. You know another word for meditate? I'll prove to you that you're very good at meditating. You know who's the best person at meditating? If you know how to worry, do you know how to worry? Oh yeah, someone said, oh yeah. Oh yeah, we know how to worry. You know how to worry. And you're so good at worrying that you worry when you have nothing to worry about. You know how to worry. What is worry? Is meditation. That's all it is. Worry is This is bad. This is going to happen. What if this happens? Oh my goodness, this can't happen. How is this going to happen? Meditation is the same thing, just with a different subject. If you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. It just means think about something over and over and over and over. But instead of thinking about how these disasters are going to happen, or how these bad stuff is going to happen, or how this good stuff is never going to happen, that's worry. Change the subject, and let the subject be the Word of God. And worry about the Word of God. Jesus said, I need to carry my cross. What does that mean? How do I carry my cross? And I wonder how I'm supposed to carry, and how do other people carry their cross? Do you know how to carry your cross? Worry about the word of God. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is only for like those who are converted like children. What does that mean to become like little children? How do I, how would my life look like a little child? And what happens if I'm a little child at work? And what happens if, that's meditation. Meditation just means chewing, and chewing, and chewing, and chewing, and getting the maximum value. Remember when our parents taught us that we have to chew slowly? Okay, I'm bad at this one. I just kind of just kind of open the hatch and down the hatch it goes. When you do that, you're missing apparently nutrients, okay, of some sorts when you just swallow it. But chewing it allows you to get the maximum value out of every bite. We need to be the same. Some of us, some of us are very good at reading scripture and some of us are very good. We can recite it and we can talk about it and we can point to the passage and we can highlight and we can do all that stuff. But just because we are inhaling scripture doesn't mean that we are chewing it and getting the maximum value and like the cow turning the stuff into nice sweet milk that comes out the other end whatever end okay one of the ends okay one location we'll have the, the, the man who grew up on the farm okay what is praying through Scripture it is meditating on the Word of God and responding through prayer Chewing, responding. Chewing, responding. Now, what's the goal or the purpose? I said the milk example. What's the goal when it comes to praying through Scripture? The goal is this the goal is to receive my daily bread. The goal is to receive my daily bread. Every time you pray in the Lord's Prayer, you say, Give us this day our daily bread. The purpose of praying through Scripture is to receive our daily bread. Look, I'll tell you something. I don't know a lot of things in life, but there's some things that I know very, very, very well. And this I know for certain, is that God gives to each one the grace that they need to get through whatever it is they're going through today. What I mean by that is, is that sometimes you'll be in a situation, it's exactly like, go back to the Old Testament when God gave the manna from heaven. The people of Israel said, God, we have nothing to eat. So God said, okay, today I'm going to bring you manna, And it's going to rain down from heaven and you're going to wake up, you're going to go get it and you're going to eat it. But then the next day you're going to be hungry. So you need to go out and get it again. Every day I will prepare a daily portion for you. I will not go Costco on you and give you a week's worth and a time. God doesn't do that. And some people try to go Costco and steal extra manna and store it up for tomorrow because they were lazy. They didn't want to get up the next day and go fight for more manna or go out and, and gather the manna. What happened the next day? This was all spoiled. The only way to be fed today is to go eat today. This works in life, right? Like I can't say today I'm going to eat a huge meal and then I eat again until Thursday. It doesn't work that way. You can't eat four days' worth in advance. Every day you go and you eat. And every day I promise you, God, he's God. God sits at 6 a.m. and knows where you're going to be at 8 a.m., at 10 a.m., at noon. at one- God knows where you're going to be by midnight that night. And God has your lunchbox ready for you. So I know you're gonna have a rough day today. Today, you don't know it, but you're gonna need some extra wisdom today. So I packed it for you. You don't realize it, but your patience, whoo, your patience is gonna be tried today. So I packed some extra patience for you. A little love note it says, I love you. A little heart, smiley face. But what do we do? We leave it sitting on the kitchen counter. And then we get to our day, and we say, ah, oh, where's God? Where's God? How come God didn't pack a lunch today? How come God just leaves me here struggling? I need wisdom. I need patience. I need love. I need strength. Yeah, it was in your lunchbox that's sitting on the counter that you ignored today. Every single day, God sees our day in advance, and he has whatever it is that we need given, prepared for us. What is it that we need? Remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about our goal? said it's very important that everyone knows their goal in life we said you'd be a fool to go to medical school and not know that a purpose my goal is to become a doctor be a fool to go to law school and not say my goal is to become a lawyer you'd be a fool to do this christianity thing to go to church read your bible pray and not know that your purpose is to graduate one day and be like christ to look like him to think like him to act like him his image that's that's the goal It's to be like that And we talked about how far we are from that, our purity, our thoughts, our anxiety, like all those things that we talked about. You need your food in order to get that. And God sees this week you need this, this week this trial, this week this challenge. And he prepares for us the perfect food that we need to achieve that goal. I have told you all this before, that sometimes as a priest, I see someone go through a situation and I think to myself, you know what? Like, I'm coming to comfort a person in a situation. And I think to myself, how am I going to comfort them? Like, I don't think I could go through what they're going through. No, in fact, I'm quite certain I cannot go through what they're going through. I'm quite certain of that. And that used to trouble me. And then God convinced me or revealed to me that, like, you know what he said to me? He said, you're right. You can't go through it. Because I give the grace needed for the situation. But trust that if I put you in that situation, I will have the lunchbox ready for you that morning to get through it, but yeah, Father Anthony, you don't have that in your lunchbox, I didn't pack that for you, because I know that you don't need that right now, what you need is this, and the truth of the matter is, whatever it is that we're going through, God has our daily bread sitting there waiting for us, but you must collect it daily, in order to achieve the results, you're going to survive in the wilderness, you're not going to make it unless you step out that tent every single day, and you go out there and gather that manna, why let's go benefits what are the benefits of praying through Scripture and they, and again? I'm talking about I know I didn't define the how-to yet, but I'm getting there. I'm talking about what is it? What's the purpose what are the benefits and then we'll get to the practical the how-to at the end the benefits of praying through Scripture? Not just reading Scripture. We're talking about our house of prayer We're talking about a prayerful event not just a reading event. What are the benefits three things? We'll go through real quick number one. It is the key to attaining the mind of Christ It is the key to attaining the mind of Christ. Again, we talked about it and said if we want to become like Christ, a huge area where we are very far from Christ is in our mind, our thoughts. Would you agree with me that his thoughts are much different than the way we think? Anxiety, fear, worry versus him was trust, confidence, hope. We need to bridge the gap. And the way we bridge the gap is by praying through scripture why what does scripture have to do with my mind well truth of the matter is is your mind is ultimate your thoughts are ultimately the product of what you put into your mind like what it is that you like garbage in garbage out your thoughts are the product of the things that you put into your mind someone who listens to gangster rap all day is gonna think like a gangster rapper. Someone who plays video games all day and Grand Theft Auto and Call of Duty and shoot them and kill them and cut their heads off and they're playing that all day. They're gonna be an angry person and their thoughts are gonna be violent thoughts. Someone who reads the word of God all day and prays through scripture all day, his thoughts are gonna be like what? Like God, like the word of God. You want your mind, your thoughts to be like the word of God? Someone drew this picture for me a long time ago, and I, and, I, and I love this picture. Imagine here, I got a big bucket, okay? Big, huge bucket, big bucket of water, and that bucket represents my mind. The water is dirty water, and that represents the bad thoughts that are in my head and the polluted thinking and the defiled and the impure and the selfish and the conceited and the arrogant and the, the uh thoughts. And I want to get them thoughts out of there. So what I try to do is I try to pick up the bucket and dump it out. Problem is, the bucket is too heavy. I cannot pick it up. It is too heavy for me to pick up and dump out. How can I get the dirty water out of there? Think of another way. If I take a rock, this thing's filled to the rim. I take one rock, I throw that rock in, what's gonna happen? A Little bit of water's gonna splash out. I take another rock, I throw it in there, what's gonna happen? A Little more is gonna splash out. If I take enough rocks, it's not gonna be overnight. I'm not talking about boulders, I'm talking about a rock. I throw one in, little water out. Throw it in, little water out. Throw it in, little water out. That's the word of God. Every day, we throw another rock in there. And what it does, knocks a little guy out. And we put another one in, knocks the little guy out. We put it in, knocks a little guy out. This is how we attain the mind of Christ. Eventually, over time, that thing, that bucket, will have more rocks than dirty water. And that's the goal with our mind. The goal of reading scripture is not just to read the stories. It's not just to... to See what God says. The goal of scripture is to see or to think how God thinks. Like don't, we don't just read stories to see that Jesus said this to the Samaritan woman. We read a story to see this is how Jesus thinks towards people who are stuck in sin. We don't just read a story about Jesus with the rich young ruler to say like this is what Jesus said to him. We see a story and we read that this is how Jesus thinks towards people who will not sacrifice things for him. This is how Jesus looks at Judas, not at Judas, but about people who say one thing to his face and then betray him behind his back. The goal is the mind of Christ, not just the words of Christ, but the mind of Christ inside it. Some people tell me that after listening to so many of my sermons that they can predict what I'm going to say before I say it. How is that? Because they've heard my words enough that they can now think like I think, which is an accomplishment, okay, of great magnitude to be able to think as I think. But it comes not just by hocus pocus, but by spending more time with a person and hearing their words, you think as they think. Key to attaining the mind of Christ. Number two, it is the key to aligning with the will of God. So many verses in the Bible talk about praying, praying, praying and God will give you what you pray for and ask and God will grant it for you and ask and God will, whatever it is, God will give it for you. And then comes the but or the only if is with the will of God. And this is like this great mystery that the spiritual people try to cover like prayer with this thing so that the unspiritual people feel like they have no hope because they don't know the will of God. So we just tell people, you'll never have what you want because you don't know the will of God and stings for you because you don't know the will of God. Look, the will of God is not a great mystery. The will of God is given to us in scripture. John 15, 7. You want your prayers answered? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. It's saying easy. What's the key? Like what's the mystery of the will of God? It's in the word of God. When you take the word of God and you plant it deep inside you, what does it do? Like I said, it changes your way of thinking. It doesn't just mean that like you read the Bible and whatever you ask for is good when we pray the scriptures it changes what it is we're asking for it makes us more like him and now when we stand up and pray we desire the things that he desires not just what we desire my fear is that many of us when it comes to prayer are fighting against God it's God is over there and I want this God give me this never gonna work praying through scripture will allow me to come over to this side and align myself with the will of God and then together God says okay what do you think is best And I say I think that God says yeah that's what's best too many of us are standing on this side trying to steal stuff from God in prayer and I nev- you're never gonna be successful trying to steal stuff out of God's hand number three it is the key to achieving success now that's a big statement come on come on Father Anthony really like I read the Bible I pray through Scripture and I'll be successful in life Hey, it's not my words. It's the words, the only time in the Bible where there is a promise given to be successful in life, it is tied to meditating on the word of God. Joshua 1.8. It says, the book of law, this book of law, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. What's meditate mean? Yeah, Worry chew on, regurgitate, it shall be in your mouth, it shall be in your mind. You'll chew it, you'll pass it to your mind, and you'll put it back in your mouth, then it'll go down to your heart, and you'll bring it back up. You will meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, then you will have good success. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, the key to success in life. Tell all them business people to their seminars and their, their, their $10,000, Um, uh, events and their books and whatever here's the key to success you meditate on the Word of God you do what's in it and you will have success so I'm gonna have a promotion so I'm going to be a CEO so I'm gonna be a whatever no because like we said it's the mind of Christ what happened is God changes your view on what success is when you pray through Scripture let's review we're talking about praying through Scripture Give me a definition. What is praying through scripture? Let's be interactive. Praying through scripture. Give me a definition. What is it? It is what? It is what? What is praying through scripture? Give me a definition. It is meditating on the word of God and responding through prayer. Again, it is meditating on the word of God and responding in prayer. And what's the purpose of meditating on the word of God and responding to prayer? What's the purpose? What's the goal? The goal is. To receive my daily bread because God knows what I need today and if I go out without it I'm gonna be hungry today and I got no one to blame except myself and then the benefits of it key to attaining the mind of Christ aligning with God's will achieving success but now the million dollar question how do I do it what does it mean to pray through Scripture how does it work what's the difference between reading Scripture and praying through Scripture I'll tell you a story true story about a gentleman which we'll change his name let's say his name is John John was a good kid or young man okay he was a good young man and John had decided to become a seminarian and he wanted to study in a seminary in order to pursue priesthood and he decided to study and you know to to pursue that that path in life and he was spiritual okay but he was very academic In his relationship with God. It's very intellectual based. One day he decides he needs to address this and he goes to a monastery and he wants to go for like a personal revival to revive his relationship with God. And he goes to this monastery. And once you go to the monastery, they assigned him, okay, because they knew who he was, they assigned him like a monk who would be like his spiritual guide, you know, for his two weeks there or whatever time he was gonna spend there. First thing he does is he meets this monk. And automatically, once he meets him, he's disappointed, just from the looks. Because he was expecting, like, an older monk. He got a younger one. And he was wearing, the thing that he noticed, he was wearing, like, sneakers. All right, the monk was wearing. And he wanted, like, you know, like, he wanted, like, an old one, you know, like, with a limp, okay, preferably. Like, walk slow. The that's what he was looking for. And he ended up with this young guy. So he's like, oh, great, I got the young, the jogging monk or whatever it may be, you know what I mean? Anyway, he starts his relationship with this guy. They kind of go back and forth. And then the monk says, okay, your assignment for your first day. And he's ready for like, you know, like a strenuous exercise of prayers and, and readings and, and exercises and all this stuff. He says you have one assignment. Your assignment is to meditate on the story of the Annunciation in Luke chapter 1. That's it. Luke chapter 1, story of the Annunciation, is to meditate on it and come back to me the next day. So John it's like a piece of cake. I have read it. I've read Luke 1, like, 10,000 times. I've given sermons on it, like, I've dissected it. This would be a piece of cake. John goes back to his room and kind of, you know, in a haughty, totty kind of a way, you know what I mean? He kind of prepares his stuff and dissects it and the Greek root word and cross-references. And he prepares, like, two pages of notes. He's going to go and knock the socks off of this monk with his deep and profound insights that can one day be used in many sermons across the universe. Next day, he goes to the guy. And he presents him, like I said, he's kind of, you know what I mean? Like ready for, like, you know, the the golf clap or something like that, like what what he's expecting. The monk isn't very impressed. And the monk reads it and kind of goes through it quickly. And the monk asks him a question. He said, What was your aim in reading Luke chapter 1? So John says, My aim was to arrive at an understanding of the passage. And the monk says, Okay. And what else? And John was like, what else is there? So the monk says this to him. He says you need to go back and you need to go find out not what the passage says, but find out what it means. Not what it says, but what it means. So John, kind of with his tail between his legs, goes back to his room and he's like, what does that mean? Not what it means, or not what it says, but what it means. And he struggles through it. He spends the whole next day trying to figure out, like, what does this mean? He's reading it and reading it. And, like, he's reading it over and over and over and over and over to the point where he almost memorized the entire chapter. But nothing. So he goes to the next day to the monk and is, like, very frustrated. And the monk's like, you know, how did it go? And he's like, I don't know what you wanted me to do. Like, I read it 10,000 times. I can pretty much recite it. But I don't know what it is you want me to do. So the monk says, okay, relax, relax, relax. He says, I got an idea. He says, you, John, you're trying too hard. You're trying to make it happen too hard. Just relax. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back, and I want you to read it again. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to read one verse, then I want you to say a prayer. And then read another verse, and say another prayer. And just go back and forth through the whole chapter. Say a verse. Say a prayer. A verse, and don't worry. Don't worry if, don't worry if you don't deep insights. Don't worry about cross-references. Don't worry about the original Greek translation. Like, don't worry about that stuff. Just read it. And say a prayer. So he thinks, jogging monk, sneakers, young guy, crazy new age stuff. But you know what? Like, I'll give it a try anyway, just for the sake of this guy. He goes back and he does it. He starts reading it and he thinks it's very awkward. He reads, you know, the story of, and then he prays. Thank you for the story of. Like whatever he prayed. And he's going through it. And it's very awkward. And then all of a sudden he gets to the verse. This is the story of the Annunciation where the angel came to Virgin Mary, said, You're gonna bear a child. He calls his name Jesus, and even though you're a virgin, Holy Spirit, all that kinds of stuff. And after the angel said that, Virgin Mary responded back saying, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. He had prayed his way all the way to that point, which is near the end, and all of a sudden, it clicked. Like a light bulb went off. And his eyes were open. And when he said, Let it be to me according to your word, and then he prayed, He said, this is not a story of Virgin Mary's life. This is a story of my life. And he, in an instant, as if the scales fell from his eyes, and he realized that this passage was not about Virgin Mary. This passage was about him. Because God was calling him to a new stage in life. And God was challenging him and saying, this is what I want you to do, and this is what I want to do through you. And there was lots of challenges associated with that life. And God was bringing him to this point. But he would say, let it be to me according to your word. And all of a sudden, it clicked with him that this is what the purpose of it was. But then all of a sudden, like Virgin Mary, how's this going to be? How's this going to work? And I can't. And I don't know if I can do this. And all this kind of stuff, all these doubts. He went back and he reread it and kept on. He went back to the start and read and prayed and read and prayed. And then he got to the verse that said, you have found favor with God. And all of a sudden, he says, he broke down in tears. And he realized this was not a story about a lady in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. This was the story of his life today. And God was telling him, I'm calling you, I'm challenging you, and this should be your response. And he prayed that response, I he said, I don't know how. And the Lord said, don't you worry, I'm with you, and I'll always be with you. Here's the thing. This boy read this passage 10,000 times in his life. He read it. He prayed it once. And that one time praying it was more valuable than the 10,000 times he read it wasn't until he prayed his way through it that he realized that it was not a story that the scripture was his story i'm inviting you god is inviting you to take that same journey and to see that the stories that we read in the bible are not stories of people one of the church fathers wrote that the scriptures are autobiographical meditation autobiographical the scriptures are not stories about people it's a story about me and it's my life story that's inside those scriptures and I will never realize that until I approach it in a different way you know we we need to be like when we read the scriptures prayerfully you know what it is it's putting yourself inside the story it's not reading it we read in a mechanical way Jesus said this to so-and-so, he did this We read it in a detached kind of way. We need to get ourselves in the story. You know what this is like? Like, forgive me for the dumb analogy. People, like, forgive me. Sports fans, this is when we're sitting on the couch, okay? And it's that last second field goal and we're up on our hands and our feet and we're doing like this because we are in the game. And we think that if we do like this and we scream at the TV and do this and don't you see that guy coming behind you. And we don't watch it in a detached kind of way. Y'all know that person in the movie theater who always yells out, watch out, okay? We want to be like that in the Bible. We don't want to be just watching the Bible like a movie. We want to be in there and we'll be like, watch out. Don't go there. How could he say that? We want to be in there. We want to hear the words. We want We don't want to read Abraham and Isaac. Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, son Isaac, go sacrifice him at the top mountain. We don't read. Don't read that like a story. I mean, that ain't a story. That ain't a story about Abraham. That's a story about you that's a story about you and your view and your attachment to the most precious thing in your life. And you don't read the story of Abraham and Isaac as a detached person. You read it about God talking to you about that thing which is so valuable to you that you cannot let go of. You don't read the story of the Samaritan woman like Jesus talking to some random lady a long time ago. You read that story and you see her thirst and you see that that's me. That's my desperate need for Jesus for having a savior in my life. I was reading... A story, uh, a passage is talking about this, and this author wrote this. This author is a, 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 a writer from the eighth century, early church guys. He said this. He said, Hold him, talking about Jesus. When you read the scripture, this is how you should read. Hold him in your arms like Mary, his mother. Enter with the Magi and offer your gifts. Proclaim his birth with the shepherds. Proclaim his praise with the angels. Carry him in your arms like Simeon the elder. Take him with Joseph down to Egypt. When he goes, this is my favorite part. When he goes to play with little children, steal a hug and a kiss from him. Sit with him in the temple and listen to the words coming from his mouth while the astonished teachers listen. When he asks a question, when he answers, listen and marvel at his wisdom. And the author goes through his entire life and says this the same way. When he's at the tomb of Lazarus, stand next to him and scream, "Come, Lazarus, come forth. When he's comforting the woman of Nain, be there with him and receive that same comfort. We need to read the scriptures not as, as, as observers. We read the scriptures like we go through a museum. That happened then, that happened then. It ain't no The Bible ain't a museum. What the Bible is, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If I took a survey and I said, who in this room believes that God is alive? Every one of you raise your hand. Who believes that Jesus is alive? Every one of you, rate, you wouldn't be here on a Sunday unless you, believed, unless you knew he was alive. Unless you knew that he went up on a cross, went into a tomb, and he came out that tomb three days later. He is alive. We know that. If you believe that Jesus is alive, and you believe that the Bible in front of you is his word, then you need to believe that that Bible is alive as well. That Bible is alive in the same way that Jesus is alive. In the same way that Jesus is not a dead man lying in a tomb, the Bible is not a dead book. on on empty words, on a piece of paper. It is alive, and it is life-giving and powerful. And it is there to go to the deepest part of our hearts and to penetrate us. Go back to that picture of Mary. That's our picture this week. We're going to be Mary sitting at Jesus' feet, and he's going to say something. And we're not just going to say, okay, hurry up. I got work. Glory be to God. We're not going to say it like that. We're going to say, really, Jesus? Tell me more. And God's going to say, okay, I'll tell you more. And we'll say, can you explain that one again? And can you explain to me how that applies to, and can you show me where? And we're going to go through the Bible that way. We're going to be Mary, and we're going to go back and forth with him. Specifically, this is going to be our hardest do-it-yourself homework of the series. This is going to be the hardest one, but it's going to be the best one. All right, so we kind of warmed up. You all remember for every week where the do-it-yourself project, we said the simple prayer is the homework assignment. Okay, if that was just two, two or three times a day, or whenever it is you remember, but at least two or three times a day, just say to God whatever's on your heart. I'm annoyed, I'm angry, I'm hungry, I'm itchy, like whatever it is that's on your mind, on your heart, you just lift your heart to God. That's the family room. We kick back and we just say, Hey, whatever's on your mind. That's the foundation of prayer is that casting all your care upon him. And then we moved to the structured prayer, and we talked about the book of hours, the Egbeya, and adding certain structured hours to our prayer, hopefully a little bit in the morning, hopefully a little bit in the evening, ultra, the overachievers throw in that, that noonday one, like we wanted to add structured times, even if it's just a couple minutes, structured here, structured here, that's how we are transformed little by little. And then last week, like I said, we talked about repentance. We said repentance is more about not what I did, but who I am. So we need repentance because of our state, not just because of our sins. So even if we don't feel like we did any sins, we need to approach humbly and repenting before God. And we said we would take a minute of silence, okay? We would do a prostration before we pray, and we would enter that way. Here's your do-it-yourself for this week. This one's gonna take 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day. But if you're like superstar, go 12 to 15, okay? Minimum, 10 to 12 but superstar, 12 to 15. Here's your do-it-yourself project. You're gonna take a passage of scripture and every day I'm recommending, but you can do whatever it is you want. Like if you, here's the thing is, if you got a system, go with your system. Like if it's working for you, if it's flowing, go for it. But let me tell you what I do, this is my system and I'm inviting you to join my system. My daily time in, in praying through scripture and meditation is with something called our daily bread. Okay, you can find it online at odb.com or you can download the app for a whole 99 cents. okay? It's a whopping 99 cents. But what it does is it gives you a passage every day and it's totally random. I like it. Meditating is different than like my reading. Like I have my, my systematic reading through the Bible. that's another thing. we're not talking about that today. I'm talking about like a quiet time meditation. I like it that is completely random. If you don't like it that way, like whatever works for you. But I like it because it keeps you kind of on your toes. Every day is different. One day is Revelation. One day is Genesis. One day is Matthew. One day is Luke. Like every day, something different. And it's a short passage. And then what they have on the website and in the app is like a, uh, like a story or a devotional or something. Don't read that until after. Like I don't even usually read that sometimes, but sometimes I do if I'm bored. Don't read that till after because that's not your message. The message is the scripture. That's just someone else's message based on that scripture. But don't cheat and just read that go to the actual scripture and read it. And my challenge to you is take that passage, it's always like five, six verses, like it's never long, and read it and pray through it. If it helps you to do what I said, what John did, of read a verse, pray the verse, read a verse, say a prayer, like if that works, go for it. Like whatever works for you. Some people like to journal, whatever floats your boat, man, I don't really care. But what I do care about is that we set aside time every day, and we're gonna do this together for this week. And I'm inviting everyone to do the Our Daily Bread because that will help us to be on the same page. So that way we can all, when we get together, be like, hey, did you read this morning's passage? And be like, yeah, that's what we talked about yesterday. Or I didn't understand what that meant. Did you understand? What was your message? Like, it'll be, it'll, it'll give us some momentum and some, like, economies of scale and some, like, we're working together on this kind of stuff. So I encourage everybody, download the app or go to odb.org and set aside time to go visit Jesus in the office and have a meeting. Just the other day, my daughter came to me for one of these meetings, and what I do with her is I put her on my lap, and I say, what's on your mind, Lizzie? Tell me what's on your mind. And whatever it is that's on her mind, like, whatever it is, and like like I told y'all before, like sometimes the dumbest things, but as any dad tell me more? And she wants my, like, that's the best, just sit. I invite you this week, Set aside time every day. Don't just walk by Jesus in the office and walk by. Pop your head in there. Say, hey, Jesus, you got 10 minutes? You know what he's going to say? Say, come sit here. And you want to really make your father happy? You want to really make him happy? You go in there and say, Dad, I don't have any questions. I just wanted to sit with you and see what you wanted to say today. Oh! (laughs) Oh! Oh! That's a father's dream. And God is no different. I'm going to leave you all with this verse. Book of Psalms, chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He chews day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither. Whatever he does shall prosper. We are not reading a book. We are not reading a story. We are reading a letter. The Bible is a letter from God to me, inviting me to that top room. Remember we talked about the bedroom? Okay, that's what we're building up to. The Bible is a letter inviting me there. When I get a letter from someone I love, when you get a letter from someone you love, what do you do with it? You don't just read it and throw it away. You cherish it. You reread it. You hang it up on your wall. You meditate on it day and night. You ponder all these things. You treasure them up and ponder them in your heart. And you store them up as the treasure of your life. That's what we need to do with our Father's word. And we're all going to do it this week. Deal? We're going to all do our do-it-yourself project this week. Let's commit to doing it. And we'll discuss it together. And we'll hold each other accountable. And we'll do it. Five days, okay? I always, when I, like not Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday, you're off, okay? Five days. We can do it on five days. We can do it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We can do it. We can set aside 10 minutes, five days a week, as less than an hour this week. We can set aside an hour to spend with our Father and spend some time praying through Scripture. Agree? All right, let's stand up for a prayer now. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. And we thank you we are so grateful that you invite us to sit on your lap to hear your voice to receive from you every day our daily bread lord forgive us for neglecting your word and neglecting the gifts that you have for us but help us this week lord to to, to make the time and i know that the ten thousand things will try to distract us and obstacles will come up but lord i pray that you help us fight through those things and make time not just to read your word not just to check a box off of of a, of a list a to-do list To really pray through your word to meditate on your word that we can be like this person in psalm 1 that is truly blessed by you and that you make their way prosperous in everything that they do help every single person who's here lord to find that that what they need inside your word and give them lord their daily bread every single day this week in your word we ask this in the name of your only begotten son our lord jesus christ with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints hear us as we pray thankfully Bound to set the captive free And now let's see